If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. We would like to acknowledge the Turrbal and Yagara peoples as the traditional owners of these lands where we now stand, recognizing that these have always been places of meeting and sharing. We'd also like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. everyone and welcome back to General Queries, a podcast about the Brisbane queer zine. I'm your host, Talia. I am joined by my host, the lovely dulcet tones of Megan Burnett. Dulcet. That was a much better intro than my one, like last episode. But I wanted to give it to you because you haven't been here for the last couple of episodes. My intro was so bad. (laughs) I was just like... I'm just I'm just doing I'm this, just I guess. Gonna... I just I don't know how to do an intro, but I'm I'm here learning now mm, on the job. It's what you job. call yeah, it's what you call on the job learning experience. <laughs> so I will write you a reference, send it off to the future employer. Oh my god. Can do podcast introduction. Podcast uh, intro. Possibly. 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 You get uh you get a a C plus. <laughs> that, uh, that's the perfect grade because you know you still pass but you're still hot yes. um <laughs> at brooklyn 99 um can we talk about who's joining us please i don't know i feel I'd like we should drag this out a little bit more <laughs> this megan's really excited I'm for this really particular excited. episode no, i, don't, I um, don't know who our guests i've never met this never guest before. you've never met them i've also never met them before you're just a stranger it's, you're just a stranger to I'm me I'm a strange woman yeah who who are you who uh, are you beautiful specter <laughs> hi i'm beck uh, I Bex, am. my girlfriend. Hi, guys. <laughs> there it is, guys. That's I, the kicker. There it is. There I, ta- it is. I, talked about, I talk about Beck in like every second episode and how pretty she is. And here she is. Here she is. Here she is on the mic. Here she is. Uh, hi. Hi. I am I am here. Is hi, voice, you beautiful, pretty? beautiful woman. <laughs> beautiful bitch. Stop. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> wow. Stolen you from Graham. You can't get like a more happy couple that are like we're just gonna compliment back constantly <laughs> i said like we actually somebody pulled out actually and um and i said oh do you want back to come on the podcast until i was like i would be delighted so like we all just kind of like 
blow wind up each other's skirts. And they're like, <laughs> Tali is the best. And Tali will be like, no, Beck's the best. And Beck will be like, no, Megan's the best. And every, it's just this like it's, little yeah. triangle this of little, validation. Yeah, little validation Yeah, triangle. it's like a truffle of, of validation. It's like the Illuminati, but for validation. Yeah, like Illuminati <laughs> confirmed. Illuminati, anyway, less bad. Uh, 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 gay variety. <laughs> <laughs> what, me? My, my yes, gay you, variety. your gay variety. I mean, I know, but not everybody uh, else knows. Listen. Give, uh, give us the elevator pitch. Oh. I, my answer to this question is actually more complex than it appears. No, that's great. Yeah, I want always, all of the words. Yeah. Okay, uh, so I guess my gay variety, uh, I tend to say that I, I am a bisexual. Um, that's not necessarily accurate, um, but I don't particularly care. Uh, identity politics as it applies to sexual orientation is not particularly important to me and it never has been. I'm probably more accurately like pansexual and I probably like lean towards like heteroromantic if we want to get really specific. But I'm also very internally like, oh, how much of this is to do with um, me as a person and how much is it to do with how I've been raised and like my kind of like social influences and stuff. Um, so for me, like identity kind of just is what it is and it, it's quite, I don't know, I guess fluid. And so I'm just like, I'm attracted to whoever I'm attracted to and that's just And fine. it just happens to be me. Yeet. <laughs> and it just happens to be this beautiful woman over here. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm totally fine. Everything's like totally fine. Um, so uh, specifically, Rebecca, <laughs> um, there's another minority group that you're a part of. Care to share? <laughs> That was the worst. <laughs> that was the worst way. To Not only are you queer, but what else? There is there is very little worse way that you could have you could have said that. Uh, I am also disabled. Uh, what? So, wow, crazy. Um. So yeah, I mean, yeah, going into it as well. I think mm, you know how a couple of episodes ago. Kat said her identity as a cyclist is more uh, more important than her she identity. She identifies more as a cyclist more than she does as a lesbian. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, on a, a less philosophical note, I definitely identify more as disabled than I do as bi and tend to just be under like a general queer umbrella. But Beck, don't say you're disabled. You're a person who has a disability. Don't tell me how to live my life again. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun skit for those people who don't know how to identify a disabled person. Anyway, please continue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, in terms of disability, I haven't been disabled my whole life. Um, I probably have had like signs of illness since I was young, but I got glandular fever back in 2016 and then everything really just like hit full force um so I was chronically ill for a while and um I won't go into like the full sort of thing of it now but there's a difference between chronic illness and disability and so not all of my chronic illnesses are disabling uh but a couple of them are so I became disabled by one particular chronic illness, which basically uh, the shorthand of it is stand up, fall down, fainty, fainty disease. Uh, <laughs> I have like just as a little bit of a side note, I actually have like a book full of what's wrong with Beck and all of her meds and stuff. So like, I don't know if you're comfortable, maybe we'll like put up some links or something in the yeah. show notes. And yeah, for sure. like, this is what Beck has. Da, 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 and here's the links to the info. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, maybe more, more, more helpfully to other people, there's a particular video by a particular YouTuber who I adore uh, and it's called um, Getting Answers When You're Chronically Ill and that's kind of how, I mean, her advice really helped me get answers from doctors. We'll do a link to the channel as well because mm. mm. she's real good for that. She's really good, yeah. really good. She's very sick and very beautiful. Yeah, yeah she's the best. Yeah, so that's why we're here. That's, that's why we're, why we're here. here. So I think it's also like um, – I just love praising everyone for all of the, the topic. Not so much praising, but um, being really interested in, in everything that everyone sort of brings in because, like, wow, these are experiences that I would never even think. Like, the intersection between disability and, and queerness is just something I would never even have, have thought about. Like, yeah. when when you say, like, you identify more as a disabled person, than when you identify more as a cyclist than you do as a lesbian. Yeah, um, exactly. Like, like where, where does that kind of sit for you? How do you kind of manage that? Um, and how'd you come to that conclusion as well? I suppose for me, um, I've been very lucky in that in terms of who my parents are and in terms of who my friends are, my queerness hasn't um, drastically affected my life, how I'm received and like my, I don't know, like my access to social groups. Mm. Um, my disability has and continues to on more or less every level of sort of everything and then when you combine queerness with disability again I'm really lucky in that I have an excellent medical team and so my queerness doesn't stop me from getting access to medical treatment but that's because I'm lucky not because that's not true or real um and it's something I have to be really careful of so yeah it's I, th- there's a really interesting um theory that um I have one of my doctors tell me that was like um when you first figure something out, especially with like identity, when you first figure it out, it becomes like this overwhelming sort of big thing in your life. And then the more you kind of get comfortable with it, it kind of settles with you. And then you get to a point in your life where it's just kind of like a thing. It's just part of you. Yeah. yeah it's mm-hmm. like, I, so it's like totally valid if, you know, yeah, if like you've I just have... discovered that you're queer and it's like this yeah. huge thing in your life. It's like, that's cool. That's valid. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people go through that, especially in like their early to mid teens. They kind yeah, of, yeah. Absolutely. And then uh, depending on like, uh, like what you kind of come up against in your life, it becomes mm. really, really super important at certain points in your life. Mm. Um, like I'm doing a lot of stuff in, like theatre at the moment so like a Mm -hmm. lot of like theatre stuff is very important to me I identify more as a theatre person than I do as a queer person um but that's still like so important oh my gosh yeah Yeah. I'm absolutely there with you if you're like really big on your identity at the moment because like just with stuff that's going on with me as a human being um if that's your experience that you're having right now I'm like here with you I'm like on that journey with you so yeah I hit us up yeah I think like there was um one of the episodes where I was talking to Jonathan who made the music for the podcast and we were talking about like the plus Jonathan Um, and we were talking about like there's queer music that's like how to build a girl that's very centered on the identity but there's also music like idols that is very subtly queer Mm. and both are completely valid forms of music but they both come from different sort of struggles and different yeah absolutely. points in, in people's lives i guess at the moment like as your girlfriend <laughs> um i guess at the moment like for what i have seen um is that like it's true that you've been unwell at 
like like recently so it's just become quite a lot bigger for you and then you know by extension for me your disabilities have just become quite a lot bigger in your slash our lives um than being queer um and that will kind of ebb and flow as your you know management changes and um you know things other things happen but um if that's like true to say like um Maybe, yes. Not really. really. I think – I guess what I'm trying to say in terms of identity politics is that for me it was – it struck me as strange that being queer wasn't a a big deal and it has a lot to do with an environment that I'm very lucky to be surrounded by. Um, It's a social environment that's very accepting and that makes a huge difference because it means that I can be queer and I – I mean, before we were dating, like before I had a girlfriend and sort of was always representing that I was queer, I would wear a rainbow bracelet. So in some way I wanted to always be representing that I was queer because I didn't want to lose that. But at the same time, representing that I was queer wasn't the same as – it wasn't the same as sort of running up against issues about being queer. It was just that I wanted to be like, just so everyone remembers, this is a thing. Mm. Um, But because of the people I'm surrounded with – I can be out and it can be okay Um, and unfortunately that's not and uh, will never be the case as a whole for society in general about my disability. Um, I can choose people that are more accepting of queerness but there's a lot of like disability stuff that a lot of people sort of have to unlearn um, and it's very difficult to find uh, a way that you're not constantly reminded that you're disabled. The world is inaccessible and, um, yeah, it's sort of a matter of, like, I'm not necessarily constantly reminded that I'm queer, but I am constantly reminded that I'm disabled. Yeah. Yeah, so so hence one becomes much, much more... Yeah, absolutely. ...revelant, not so much more important, or do you find no, that one is... I don't think it's more important. Um, I, I think my identity as a queer person is I- incredibly important, um... It hasn't run up against a lot of, I guess, um, pushback. Probably the we right word. definitely haven't experienced as much like pushback or drama. Like we've experienced very little stuff as a queer couple, as opposed to the stuff that you've experienced as a disabled person, even in the short time that we've been together that yeah. I've seen. Yeah. yeah. So it's more to do, I guess, with identity politics. Is like I can be a queer person and sort of be like I'm queer, and that's in the back of my mind as a truth that is internalised but not as something that's, like, constantly important. Um, But, yeah, as a disabled person, like, it's something I'm constantly being reminded of. I'm, like, I have to find things that I can do, find places that are accessible, like, find ways to navigate around a world that's just not built for me. Mm -hmm. Can I ask, um, like, I I remember one time we we went and got coffee together um, and we, like, walked... Well, no, the, the cafe we were going to was like a, a short, like five minute walk. And I was like, yeah, no, I'll just walk down the hill. And you like Megan immediately went, no, we're driving down the hill. We're getting in a car. We're driving down yeah. the hill to get mm-hmm. to this cafe. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. absolutely something like, sorry, but like that's mm. absolutely something that um, I had to learn really quickly mm. um, because we were, we talked about in the car when we were driving here, we talked about in the car about we might talk about what it's like to date a disabled person. Um, 
that's something that I had to learn so quickly um, and Beck has to teach me. Yeah. Like, you know, I am not going to be able to walk down the hill. I'm not going to be able to do that. Like there are some things that you're not able to do or that we have to make concessions for, um, you know, um, like even things like going to the shopping centre, um, we need to get a wheelchair yeah. A lot of the time if we're going to hang out there for a while. Um, so it's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot more thinking mm-hmm. you kind of have to do as an able-bodied person um, to go kind of like, you know, oh, no, hang on, like this, we need to do this in order for that to not be excruciating. Um, yeah, so that's a it's, – it's interesting that that kind of came up for you when for me I kind of just went, no, we got to drive, like it's yeah. fine. Yeah, for, for me it was just like it's a five-minute walk down down the hill yeah. and then I kind of like looked at you and I was like, oh, of course, what a – of course, Talia, what a dumbass move to make. Just be like yeah. a walk down the fucking hill. Um, yeah, it's not like – I think it's something that as well – I don't mind. I mean, I never assume that there's malice behind people mm. not uh, not kind of realising – like the world in general mm. is you not built for disabled know. people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think as well I kind of – on that note about queerness mm. is something that um, – and I want to put a really big caveat on this is I've found with people that like my family particularly, they try really hard to understand my queerness. And I don't know that they necessarily fully do, but they're so very good. supportive. Um, Beck's parents are the best. They Shout are. out Kevin and Lisa. We love you. They're so beautiful in terms of like being supportive. And so I don't mind kind of like teaching like in terms of like queerness and disability and I just want to like make sure I put a huge caveat on that that I'm okay doing that because my parents respond well and it's because they they are trying um and I just want to make sure that like I don't know I'm not pushing an idea that like you should be expected to like teach someone who's not responding like that's not the case um but for me like yeah with disability and with queerness as well I think there is a level of like kind of to teach someone or to be like, oh, I actually can't do that. And people will be like, oh, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, oh, I see. There's there's like the way it's kind of sounding is that like the kind of like queer education that like I sort of end up doing in my day-to-day life is kind of similar to the education that you have to sort of put people through like in terms of disability. Like it's just really subtle things where you're like actually that's – I'm just going to correct you on that little, little small thing. Yeah, Beck yeah. pretty consistently yeah. has to educate me and I think like um, it it becomes less the more that we spend time together but then the things that I don't know become more complex and layered yeah. and like internally ableist. Mm-hmm. So like, um, like we've kind of surpassed the point I feel like, you know, uh, like a lot of the time I know, you know, what like kind of where your limitations are um, with like walking and I can kind of tell like, okay, like today, like like with yesterday, yesterday was a really big day. To, so today, like I know you're in a lot of pain yeah. Um, and like those sorts of things you just learn over time by spending time with people. But now we're kind of getting to this really fun stage where I'm noticing a lot of really internalised ableism that I have um, and that stuff that is going to be a lot harder to like notice and unlearn. Um, so it's just a really a really fun new place to be yeah. um, as like an interabled couple. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also like it 
like learning about, um, you know, um, I, I kind of have noticed that, um, you know, being the able-bodied person in an interabled couple, um, you like if anybody's listening that is in the same situation, you need someone that is not your disabled partner to be able to vent to and kind of um, express any, you know, frustration or like, you know, issues that you're having in regard to your partner being disabled Um, because I'll kind of get to a point where I get really overwhelmed by being sick um, and I – like it's not – good for your mental health um to be like i'm so overwhelmed and frustrated with the fact that you're sick and the concessions we need to make you need to find somebody that is not (laughs) is not your partner to be able to to talk to um whether that's a support group on facebook whether you know i've got you know a friend that i talk to um because you're allowed to be frustrated and we have a lot of conversations about this you're allowed to be frustrated and you're allowed to be tired and you're allowed to um have a little bit of a moment but like you can't counsel me through that it's like I'm not the right person to talk to because I'm never going to be able to listen objectively like anything you say that you're like I'm frustrated I'm going to take as a personal attack and it's going to end up as a really big mess that it really didn't have to be um in general queries relationship advice here (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I guess also like sorry um taking it back to my original point I think in in terms of no no that's fine in terms of like identifying more as like a disabled person than a queer person in terms of education I don't find I have to do as much education about queerness because of the kind of people that I am naturally surrounded by and again I say like I'm because I'm quite lucky and because like you know my parents are religious but they're very like open-minded and very accepting and they're very willing to like listen. Hashtag love you, Kevlis. Yeah. <laughs> very open-minded and, and willing to like listen to me and listen to my ideas and they really like – I had a conversation with um, someone about this and um, they're like gender neutral and they were explaining to me that their dad doesn't quite get it but they're sort of like, look, it's okay because he's really doing the best he can and, you know – that's quite okay with me. Like, you know, it's different if someone's not trying, but they're trying as hard as they can and that's what matters. Um, So, yeah, I guess for me, because of the social group I'm surrounded with, like I I don't have to educate people on queerness as much, but I will always have to educate everyone in my life who isn't like chronically ill or disabled on chronic illness or disability. Are there – because like – uh, there are like social groups and stuff for, mm. for queer people. Are there social groups and stuff for disabled people? Mostly online um, and they are an absolute lifeline. Like I yeah, am – They're amazing. Yeah. I'm part of like one of them for uh, – so they're like my two major kind of for like – the fainty, fainty disease. The fainty, fainty disease and the joints pop out our disease. Um, <laughs> sorry, yeah, jo- joints pop out ow? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I heard like joints me? pop out hour and I was like, oh, hourly. hourly. It just kind of happens. No. Your arm dislocates. Just like, oh, guess it's poppy time. Yeah. Um, would you like me to just do a li- really quick TLDR? Oh, it's cool. I can, I can we'll, do a we'll, TLDR. We'll put something okay. in the, something. the show notes. We'll do, it, we'll do a TLDR. Yeah. It's just like people are going to be like, what? Yeah, we'll put it in the, the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just cause like, it's a lot to get through. There's a lot. There is a lot. 
Um, yeah, so for those two I'm part of, and that's really helpful as well because a lot of the people, because they're Australia, New Zealand based, a lot of the people are being put on the same medications as I am. And so you can kind of shoot a quick message to the group and be like, hey, has anyone had this side effect? Like, should I be worried or like, should I go back to the doctor or is it just going to fade? And is it to do with this medication or is it to do with something else? Um, or sometimes people post and they're like, oh, I've been in hospital for like a week and I'm just feeling really lonely. And there was a really lovely time where someone was, um, they didn't have any support and they were in hospital and they were really stressed because it often happens that when someone's chronically ill, um, they'll be uncomfortable being discharged from hospital because they don't feel like they've been stabilised. And so there's a lot of advice on how to deal with that situation. But this person was like, I'm just so exhausted. I'm so exhausted from advocating for myself and I don't have any support. And so there were actually, I think, three strangers from the group went and visited them. Um, Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, so that kind of thing happens. It's really beautiful if someone reaches out and is like, I actually, like, I don't have anyone. I'm so tired and I'm in this hospital. They're like, you know, where are you? I'm nearby. Like, I can come visit, you know, this afternoon and just bring you something and, like, just spend some time with you. beautiful. Yeah, community I'm, is like, everything. Yeah, so it's like it's noise, it's torch. Yeah, it's it's a really beautiful group. Um, groups. Um, I actually recently posted in one because what I think is my new meds, uh, but I'm not totally sure. Just kind of feels like someone spiked my water with caffeine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really like twitchy and I can't concentrate and like my legs are really restless. And I was like, guys is this the medication side effect? Like, what do I do? And someone was like, oh, look, it affects this system. Like, maybe it could be. And they were like, but, I mean, you can go talk to the pharmacist and see if it's normal. And I wouldn't have thought about that. I forget about pharmacists and their general expertise on drugs. So I was like, I can actually go to a pharmacist with a list of my medications and be like, hi, do is I this going to go? ruin me? Well, no, I can be like, you know, do I need to go to my doctor about this side effect? Or can you tell me that it's just going to go away? Yeah, exactly. Um, can I jump in? You made a point about like um, dating someone who is disabled. Hi, do you yes. Wanna, yeah. Do you actually want to go through that now? Like what's some, I guess, some tips and tricks? Um, <laughs> we're here, we're here yeah. on General Queries doing a, a relationship, relationship issue. Man. Relationship Q&A. Um, um, would you like to start or will I start? Um, I guess. Well, okay. I might start with a note that... I'm kind of just going to take your lead on this um, a little bit. Yeah. Probably a note that like it's been around, it, like it will have been a while now, but like... Yeah, by the time w- this comes out, we'll probably have been going out seven or eight months yeah yeah so been like as we film as we are film as we record this now we've been going out about six months so not a particularly long time so there was an episode of a show recently uh and it is a particular man who is a oh my god yep uh, (laughs) (laughs) i just gave back this look i was like what are you talking about and then i was like ah yes he's a quote-unquote uh psychologist um you know what i'm just going to say the title of the show it was dr phil it was was an episode of dr phil um but don't like what don't watch the show like don't give them the views in fact go on to um we really like squirmy and grubs yeah um the disabled person in the couple is significantly more disabled than you are um but we really like squirmy and grubs so so go and watch their recap they have an episode called why we didn't go on dr phil and that gives an overview of the episode but basically the the overtone of the episode was uh 
100 out of 100 interabled relationships <laughs> fail. Um, and it's oh like, God. you can be their caregiver or their lover. You can't be both. And it was just a big old mess. Yeah. Um, and the whole kind of disabled community has been like, ooh, that's... It's also bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that's an opinion that's not correct uh, and is also bad. Super bad. Um, so, yeah, I guess, um, look, I, I can understand, like, We've definitely run up against stuff like that before. Like there are people who think that Megan's my carer. Yeah. Uh, just to note, I'm not Beck's carer yeah. and we have specifically had discuss- – I, I really did think quite hard about it um, yeah. because there are interable couples where um, – like Squirmy and Grubs yeah. where the partner is also the caregiver. Yeah. Um, and I did think quite hard about, you know, like inside in my own brain um, – you know, how would I feel about having to be Beck's carer? And I turned to her one day and I'm like, I don't want to be your carer. And Beck turned to me and said, I don't want you to be my carer. Yeah. So we are very much in agreement. That doesn't mean that I don't perform caregiving tasks. Yeah. But it does mean that when Beck needs something, it it is not solely my responsibility to fulfill that. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I guess uh, I have a community of people who I can rely on for, like, if I need help. And so it's not, like, it's not fair of me to be like, Megan, you have to do all of these things because she's not my carer. Um, And so, like, you know, I've got my parents and I've got you and I've got a lot of my friends have kind of offered and are very serious about, like, if you need something, I'll come give it. Like, if you need help, like... You know, with food, um, I need help to shower a lot of the time. I need help to, like, wash my hair and stuff. And my family will do that and, like, my friends are also happy to do that. So it's not – it doesn't solely fall on Megan's shoulders. It's not just me, yeah. And I think a lot of, like, the time – because, I mean, like, if I if I can just go through some of the things that I do yeah. do. Um, so, yeah, I will help back shower in – various capacities like it may be literally just sitting in the bathroom with her making sure that you don't faint and hurt yourself in the shower or it could be all the way up to like physically washing you and washing your hair depending on how well you are so I think a lot of the time people just assume that I'm giving a lot more care um and we were actually looking at a like a like a letter that um that is uh, like that, like a like we're kind of going through what you do, yeah. Um, like and what, like how you're disabled, um, and you was like it kind of says that like, um, you don't need care per se all the time. You actually need just supervision. supervision. Um, so and that's a lot of what I do. Um, yeah. and a lot of the time, I actually, well, I try to ask first yeah absolutely so I kind of go like hey would you like me to do x thing and then I wait for Beck to answer so I'm actually not providing any help that I haven't already offered and I think that's where people kind of get a little bit mixed up thinking that I kind of just do everything and that's not really the case it's also I think quite a common misconception of able-bodied people that um and it's something that I think you know disabled people run into quite often is able-bodied people will step in and help when they're not wanted um, and that can be quite um, confronting. Like um, I've had 
a person in my life who used to push my wheelchair without warning when I was like in a shopping center or something. And so that's something that like, it's literally what it feels like is someone kind of like coming and picking you up and like just kind of carrying you, but without telling you that they're going to do that. Um, And I think because, you know, as an able-bodied person, it's kind of like, I want to help. And you'll interpret it as a helping activity when actually there's a lot of like loss of autonomy that comes with disability. And so it becomes like a much more complex issue. And so if you kind of step in and do something um, without asking, then it can be like, you know, they were actually fine. They just weren't doing it in the way that an able-bodied person would um, or they're doing it more slowly. But it might be important that they're able to do that themselves because, I mean, for me, like I've lost a lot of what I'm able to do. Um, I haven't showered without supervision. Um, Usually it's my little sister, actually. She'll come and just hang out in the shower and, like, we just have chats um, in about two years Um, just because I'm at risk of fainting or if I'm, like, in the bath. If I make the water too hot, sometimes I get stuck in the bath and I, like, can't get out and that's really dangerous. Um, And so, like, that's a lot of, yeah, I guess what I need. But I... And that's, like, the majority of my emotional labour as well is not actually the assistance itself. It's actually knowing when not to help. Yeah, exactly. Um, And not helping when I'm asked not to help, which seems silly, but your instinct is is to help. And the looks that I've been given when I'm walking along beside you and you're pushing yourself in a wheelchair, I actually wait for Beck to ask me to push her. But the looks people have given me, like... Filthy, like absolutely filthy, thinking what an asshole, like letting that girl push herself. But in actuality, like I'm helping by not helping, basically. And it can be very stressful, I think, as a disabled person, particularly when you like are newly, I mean, Megan and I have been dating for like long enough now that it's not an issue. But if you're like really newly dating someone, if they're doing well kind of right away naturally and they're like not helping like – it can be really stressful knowing that the general public is – they're going to give dirty looks. They're going to be like, why aren't you doing that? Like, why aren't you assisting? Because they'll see a disabled person and be like, well, actually, like, you shouldn't be doing that on your own. Someone else should be doing it for you. Um, and so, like, it can be really stressful in a new relationship because you're like, well, like, at what point, like, is the public kind of opinion going to overpower like this at some point and are they going to flip to like helping a lot because they're becoming stressed out by like being giving dirty looks all the time i also just want to um jump in there there was a point you made but i want to codify it um your romantic partner doesn't have to be your be all and end all like Mm. you are allowed to sort of reach outside um don't kind of like focus on this one person and be like they have to provide my everything which is something that i feel like um not not to get too much into into idpol, but it, it's something that is such a a normative, allonormative, heteronormative ideal that is just kind of held up. Like you you don't have to do that. You can you can speak yeah. to more than one person. Um, yeah, uh, we have to wrap up because we're yes. almost about to go over time. Yeah, um, it, it's been wonderful to have you. Um, we always wrap up with a um, last minute. Uh, nope, I lost all of those words. Uh, we always wrap up with a little question, just going like, um, if there are words of advice that you could say to a younger you or to a younger queer person out there, what would you say? Um, I would say that if you find yourself in an intersection and um, people 
aren't being accepting of you, it's them that are wrong, not you. Can I give like some advice for yeah, an able for person it. in an troubled relationship? Go for it. You need to find yourself a community of people who understand. Um, I have come up against so many people who I can't talk about um, Beck's disability with. Um, you need to find a community because otherwise your your mental health is going to suffer. You're going to go insane. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go insane and you are going to be no use to your partner. Like you need to find that. It is absolutely imperative. Please um, yeah. find it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming and just talking so freely Loving. and openly about all of this. It poll also thank you, Megan, for bringing your girlfriend on um, she's because the best, she's isn't wonderful. She? Oh my god, she's beautiful and amazing and stunning and wearing. If the you best know me, model. you've absolutely heard me go here. You wanna you wanna see a picture of my girlfriend? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you are actually one of the most stunning people I've ever seen in my oh. entire life. I know, right? Um, she looks like Ruby Rose. Yeah. Uh, for everyone out there in podcast listening land, um, you are also looking stunning today. Um, Damn. You are looking incredible. You go out and you just get that. Whatever it is you're trying to get, you go Let's out and get you get it. Get this bread. Get that bread. You are humble grain farmers grinding for that bread and you are going to get oh. that bread. Congratulations. You done got that bread. Amazing. Um, yeah. Remember to drink some water today, my Take friends. Take care of yourself. Especially your if meds. you are disabled slash chronically ill. Yes. And take it three times a day. Take it three times a day. Take like 17 tablets. Well, who did? Ask uh, for help if you need it. Yeah, do that. Uh, ask for help if you need it. Yeah. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.